It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Asianboxing.info is the website. It's Scott and it's Colin. Scott, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. We have a little bit of rain here, so it's like back to British weather. Good British weather. And yourself. I'm doing well. The heat wave is over for you guys, but it's still going on over here. We've been close to triple digits, so it's warm. I'm trying to just stay inside. You know, once in a while, go outside, get a run in, but then come back inside because it's hot. It's perfect ice cream weather over there. Oh, it's like you always say, it's always great for ice cream, no matter what. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? I'm not sure. We got some really nice bubblegum stuff in the freezer, but uh, it's had to be strawberry cheesecake ice cream. Oh. That sounds really good. Strawberry cheesecake sounds amazing. Bubble gum. I've never had bubble gum ice cream. You're missing out, man. I'm a mint chocolate chip person. Like, you put mint chocolate chip uh, in front of me, it's going to be gone in, in a couple of seconds. Um, but yeah, any any type of ice cream, right, Scott? Any type of ice cream is always a good thing. And boxing is always a good thing. So let's jump right into it. I um, mean, let's start off with one of the bigger fights. That happened over this past weekend. Can Shu Shu Can, he fought Lee Wood, and and this was for uh, the WBA featherweight title. Unfortunately for Mister Shu Can or Can Shu, whatever, however you want to say it, he was uh, upset in a big way. Yeah, this was this was a really strange one. On paper, I thought this was gonna be a really fun fight. I thought it was really, gonna be really exciting. These styles, these are always fun to watch. Almost always fun to watch. Um, but I wonder, I wonder what being out of the ring for twenty months, having several camps that just didn't end up in a fight, um, the disappointment with missing out, missing out on a Josh Warrington fight last year. I wonder how much that played on because he did not look himself. He looked really, really, really poor. And credit to Lee Wood and Ben Davis and his team for putting out a game plan that neutralized Z really well. Um, really underwhelmed performance by Khan. I don't know what the issue was. It could be an activity. It could be um, the training camp. He could have overtrained or any number of things, but Wood just schooled him at the end of the day. Um, fantastic performance by Lee Wood. Yeah, you mentioned Ben Davidson, what he's been able to do with a couple fighters. I, he's definitely one of the top upcoming young trainers with what he's been able to do with Guys like Josh Taylor, of course, Tyson Fury kind of helped resurrect his career. Uh, so very impressive from Wood, but you're right. I think for for Ken, you have to wonder, did the long layoff really hurt him? Because usually he's the guy who just throws caution to the wind. You'll, you'll look at his punch stats, and he has about a, a thousand, over a thousand punches. Um, but that wasn't it in, in this uh, time against Wood. It, it just didn't, he didn't have that same fire in him. He didn't. He also looked um, less durable than we've seen in the past. Against Ezu's M. Rojas, he took bombs and he walked through them. Here, he looked like he'd been hurt quite a few times. He just. I wonder if perhaps making weight was an issue or traveling over to England was an issue or it wasn't the usual um, monster from China that we've seen. Yep. And again, you have to tip your cap to Lee Wood for putting on a, a solid performance just a week before this uh, Kanshu fight in Japan. We wanted to quickly go back to a, a pretty stacked card in Osaka. Yeah, there was two shows on the same day, one after the other at the Edin Arena Osaka, a venue that 
some might know better is the Bodymaker Coliseum, a name that really is far, far better. Better name. You can't get much better than the Bodymaker Coliseum. Um, but the first of those two cards was on YouTube for free, and that had Yuki Nonaka, the 43-year-old um, Japanese middleweight, scoring a really, really dominant win over Koki Koshikawa to retain the Dewey B.O. Asia-Pacific middleweight title. I'm not really sure how Nonaka's still competing at the age he is. He's just a bit of a wonder, and there is talk that he could potentially get a world title fight. Um, there has been talk for that for a couple of years now, and every time there has been that talk, it's just faded away. But fingers crossed he does get a big shot. The other part on that card, though, was a much, much more interesting one. is Riku Khan, who defeated Takumi Sakai by a ninth-round TKO. Before stopping Sakai, he'd been down twice himself. He looked in all sorts of trouble um, and really, really dug deep for a career-best win for him. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. Now, Scott, let's move up uh, just a couple of days after that uh, July 23rd bout. We're just we're time traveling here on the Asian Boxing Podcast. Sawada versus Saratsune. This was also a title fight. This was for the now very, very cursed Japanese bantamweight title. Um, the title's been vacated about four times over the last three years. It's just been it's been a nightmare. Um, since Ryo Akao had it, he got stripped or vacated for film to make weight, and Yuta Saito ended up injured when he won the title. Uh, Yusuke Suzuki ended up having a career-ending injury when he won the title. And Sawada Sadatsune clashed heads in round two. Both in bloody messes, and the bout had to get stopped. It was just one of those bouts where you want there to be a winner, you want this title to have a champion, and it's one of the most prestigious titles in Japan. It's been held by a who's who, and instead it's sat vacant now because because both guys got really, really badly cut. It's really unfortunate you mention it. It's probably one of the most prestigious weight classes in Japan. I think you look at all the past champions, including the the current world champion at Bantamweight, but it's always been kind of a a respected class, right? Uh, Weight class in Japan. So you would want the Japanese Bantamweight title to be held by someone, and it's just unfortunate that it seems like it's cursed. Yeah, especially the last few years. We've had champions like Joishiro Tatsuyoshi, Shinsuke Yamanaka, Risuke Iwasa, Naoto Takahashi, Yasui Yakushiji, and now we basically got the title just floating around um, in what, what appears to be some sort of purgatory. Well, hopefully someone someone will grab it. Maybe a rematch between these two? Uh, fingers crossed. Um I'm not sure Saratsuna wants it. He was dropped in the opening round. Sawada seemed to have his number, but the righty-lefty um, stances just ended up having the effect they usually do in a really nasty head clash. Scott, we'll stay in Japan um, a couple days after that Kanshu fight. Karak and Hall, uh, Furuhashi, Hanamori for another title fight. This was at Super Bantamweight for the Japanese uh, title that Furuhashi won earlier this year in a war against Yusaku Kuga. And anyone who's seen Furuhashi the last few years would know what to expect here. Um, 
he is pound for pound one of the most fun to watch fighters. He holds his feet. He lets his punches go. He's just he's an inside fighter. He's another one of those super weights that just enjoys a war. And Hanamari was he was willing to uh, participate himself, and they just ended up with three round shootout. Hanamari was dropped in round one, had a solid round two, and was broken down in round three. It was just seven minutes of wonderful chaos. These are the fights that you just love to see. Um, We talk about it all the time, but the domestic championships or the the title bouts uh, in Japan, they always make for these just all-out drag-out wars. Uh, And guys guys really want these belts. You know, I I think um, belts on the world level sometimes get watered down, but on the domestic scene, at least in in Japan, um, they're coveted. Yeah, Japan and United Kingdom do it really well. They have a national title that people want, but that's probably because of the history behind it. I think now with the world titles where you're seeing the WBA, Super, Interim, World, Gold, Global, whatever, they have devalued themselves to the point where they're a bit of a joke. But when they've got the history behind it, the Japanese national titles or the British national titles do, even the European title, I think there is something that drags the real desire out of fighters to try and win them. Yeah, and I think of, at least over here, you know, we don't have any big, like, national title. You know, there's the, like, the Golden Glove amateur bouts. I I think, especially back in the day, those used to be huge. Um, But at least on on the professional scene, there's nothing really that uh, guys chase after. It's more, oh, I want this world title or... Um, you know, I, I want all the belts type thing, but, uh, it would be nice to have a domestic championship, like the United States title, something, something that, um, would bring out better fights between at least our fighters here in the States. Yeah. The NABF title used to be in the USBA title used to be, um, it seems like they're now just almost ignored and pointless titles, doesn't it? Right. Right, because, and again, it's it's the watering down of the belts. It used to have luster. It used to uh, be important. But now with all these different belts, uh, those have lost their their shine. That's the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Asianboxing.info is the website. Uh, there you can find the videos. You can find all the news that Scott uh, writes about. And, of course, you can find this podcast if you're brave enough to listen. Now, Scott... Um, we have some news to get to. A lot of different belts being dropped or vacated by uh, different title holders over in Asia. Yeah, just in Japan, there's been three recent champions that have all vacated. Um, one of them is Toshia Ishii, who vacated the Japanese youth bantamweight title because he wants to fight at super bantamweight going forward. Understandable if you can't make weight. Um, I'm not sure how well he's going to do 122 pounds. He's not the biggest of guys, but he's a youngster. He's going to outgrow the bantamweight division. So no real complaint. I just maybe think it's, think it's coming a little bit too early. Yudai Shigioka has also vacated a Japanese youth title. His was a light flyweight. Um, I think he's probably going to drop down in weight. I think he's a natural minimum weight. And he's wanting more senior titles, so the Japanese title or uh, one of the regional belts. And his younger brother, Ginjiro Shigioka, 
has vacated the WBO Asia Pacific minimum weight title, saying that he wants a world title fight and will go anywhere for it. So fingers crossed, Genjiro versus knockout CP Freshmart, maybe. I like that move. Uh, I'll go anywhere for it. It doesn't have to be in Japan. And I think for Shigeoka Genjiro, he needs to have a step up in competition. Uh, he's done all he can at the domestic scene, and obviously the world level is where he'll shine, and he'll only get better when he fights those world-level fighters. Yeah, I think he looked very good against Ray Loretta, who I think is fringe world-level, but I'd like to see him in against one of the world champions. I think he has the beating of them all right now. Um, it's just a case of which option does he take, which option can his team secure him a title fight for, um, but such an exciting talent. So, Scott, uh, there's something going on in Tokyo right now. Um, I don't know if you know, but uh, they play all these different sports and uh, they compete for these medals. Uh, you have swimming, you have football. I call it soccer, but you guys call it football. Uh, baseball. Um, you have gymnastics. But there's also boxing. And uh, have you caught up on any of the, the boxing over there in Tokyo in Japan? Unfortunately, I've seen so little of it that I have no idea who's won anything. Um, care to inform us of who's won something? Oh, definitely. Yeah. See, the tables have turned. Usually you're the expert and you have, have watched everything, but I've actually been keeping an eye on this, Scott. And, and it's it's been exciting because, of course, you have the Uzbekistans and the Kazakhstans and they're always there, especially as of late. They they just have all the amateur pedigree. But what's been exciting for, uh, and I think somewhat of a newer development, uh, Japan and the Philippines have really stepped up their game. You have a middleweight from the Philippines who's going to medal. You're actually going to have a matchup between Kosei Tanaka's brother, Ryome. And you know about Ryome. Yeah, Ryome. I'm hoping he turns professional. I think he's a fantastic fighter. Um, him and his brother often spar together and train together, and he looks sensational um, before the Olympics. Yeah, now he did get uh, somewhat of uh, a little bit of a, a gift decision. Uh, he he definitely you know fought his heart out, but in in the last fight, I would say he got somewhat of a hometown decision um, to make it to this uh, match. But he's actually fighting someone from the Philippines as well, Carla Palam, who had an impressive win against the last uh, 2016 gold medalist. Um, and this is in the men's flyweight division. Uh, he beat uh, a man, Zoy Zoyrov from Uzbekistan. I hope I pronounced that right. But they're going to be matching up in the men's flyweight semifinal. So both of them guaranteed a medal. So the Philippines, they have um, three guaranteed medals. And Japan, three guaranteed medals. Uh, because on the women's side, there is a very, very exciting fight between, again, Japan and the Philippines. Who knew, right? I mean, I know on the pro pro scene, they're doing big things. But amateur-wise, not always have made a lot of noise. I know Japan, have they've picked up a couple medals recently. But Sena Iri, she won gold over Nessi Petisio. I hope, again, I probably am butchering both those names. But uh, that was a, a, an exciting fight for the women's featherweight bout. And that was, I believe, Japan's first gold medal on the women's side. 
So that was exciting. So Philippines, Japan, both bringing home three three medals. I take it we've seen Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan perhaps falter a little bit compared to usual. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I think um, both of them came in with uh, huge, huge hopes, a lot of different medal hopes. But, uh, yeah, they definitely haven't been as strong as you would hope uh, if you're those countries because usually they dominate. Like every year they dominate. Although um, in the super heavyweight division, uh, we will see an Uzbekistan who was the number one seed? He's going to be fighting for the gold medal against Richard Torres from America. Um, so we will see, you know, we're still going to see those Uzbekistans, those Kazakhstans, but uh, they just haven't been as dominant as usual, which I guess is a good thing. So, just on the subject of that bout, and that's Jalalov versus Torres. Was that the same Jalalov Torres matchup that happened a couple of years ago in the year? Uh, the WBC president said it was criminal. Oh, you know what? Is that the same one? Yeah. Hmm. Is it still criminal if Torres wins this one, or is Mauricio right. Sullivan going to perhaps put his head back up his own ass? Oh, you call him out because that was a knockout, I believe. It's a brutal knockout. <laughs> yeah, Torres is. I love watching him fight. He is. Uh, he's like an old school throwback fighter. Um, I believe he named his dog like Jack Dempsey or Dempsey because he loves Jack Dempsey. And uh, yeah, he's he's bobbing, he's weaving, he's moving, he's rolling, and um, just a lot of energy. So that you're right. I've totally forgot about that big knockout. But it's been a fun Olympics. Usually, uh, I don't get around to watching much of the of the boxing. But this year, I've just uh, decided, hey, I'm going to sit down. We have like a streaming site, NBC Stream Olympics. That's our, our big uh, Olympic carrier is NBC over here in the States. And they, they have all the fights on demand. You can watch, go back and watch them or watch them live either or. And so I've been watching, of course... America, but I've been watching Japan, the Philippines, the Uzbekistans, the Kazakhstans. I've been trying to try to catch as much as possible. Yeah, over here it's um tucked away on a pay service and we're getting like very little come through BBC and uh just on the subject, Discovery can go fuck themselves. Thanks for hiding away one of the best sporting events behind a paywall, you absolute assholes. You hear that, Discovery? You hear that? You think they're listening, Scott? <laughs> yeah yeah discovery that's a shame it is. every other year they're in free tv throughout europe and this time um it's not and whilst the price isn't expensive it's the principle the youngsters who were inspired every year are now getting this blocked off from the souls and it's like boxing being on pay-per-view you want to inspire the next generation. You don't want to tuck it behind a paywall just to say that you've got it. And I think sport needs to perhaps sometimes realize that there is more to things than money. Yeah, and, and Great Britain this year, decent Olympics. Uh, I believe one of their fighters in the light heavyweight won a silver medal. Uh, super heavyweight, one of the fighters won a bronze medal. And the men's welterweight, although... Iglesias again won his another gold. That was over someone from uh, McCormick from Great Britain. So uh, a lot of different great fighters, and they don't get to see him. 
Also, Kalia Fai's brother fighting later today. Even outside of boxing, you got this um, the gymnastics. I don't think Britain's bronze medal team actually got shot on the BBC. Um, all these are the spots that you're just not getting the chance to actually see. And you want to inspire the generation to get involved in sport rather than getting overweight. And it just, yeah, big missed opportunity. And the biggest stage for that is the Olympics, right? It has all these different sports, so it's not like it's just one. Um, you can you can look and choose from all these different sports. I want to get into gymnastics or boxing or swimming or, or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, that's definitely a shame. So shame on you, Discovery. I hope you're listening. It's the Asian Boxing Podcast, asianboxing.info. We thank you for listening. Definitely have a lot going on, hopefully later on in the year. It's... I would say, Scott, there's a little bit of a lull right now um, on the world scene for our Asian fighters, but domestic scene, guys are fighting left and right. So that's that's exciting. Yeah, I think until the Olympics is done, I don't think you're going to see a lot of big fights full stop, really. Um, but after that, I think you're going to see an explosion of announcements and really big fights second place. I think you're going to see a lot of really big signatures as well of the Olympic fighters. So it's almost like you can see it on the horizon, you know it's going to come. It's just a case of enjoying the Olympics and then finally seeing this giant burst of end-of-year activity. That's exciting. It's been the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Remember, again, the site is asianboxing.info. If you love videos, you love news, you like this podcast, you can catch it all there, asianboxing.info. But until next time, have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you then.